You're listening to The Tales We Tell, a podcast about spooky stories, unsolved mysteries, and local lore. I'm your host, Hannah Parch. And I'm Katie. Welcome back! It's a Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) But if you're listening to this on the day it's been aired... It's my birthday. Yay! <laughs> How old are you? Old enough. <laughs> fair, fair. We've already done our dirty 30s. That's yeah. all that matters. Well, let's jump straight into announcements, I guess. The f- first one. Well, okay, hold on. I'm going to skip ahead. I'm going to skip around. Okay. The first one is... <laughs> Nobody sh- knows that, though. <laughs> you realize that... I know. I'm about to also have a really annoying segment, so everyone just bear with me. Okay, first, uh, I want to say thank you to some new listeners who sent us some very kind messages. They get printed out and hung up on the wall here in the studio, by the way. They do. I added Roy's message Mm because it was, I think, the most recent. But thank you to Roy, Sam, and Jaden. I will say that Roy is our newest patron. Yay! Yay! Welcome to the family. So he gets an extra special shout out. We love you. And stickers and goodies. Yes, stickers and goodies. I'm going to message you uh, again on Patreon and get your information. And also just know that your message came at the end of like a super long and horrible day at the office. (laughs) And it made me smile. And so I printed it at my work desk. Jaden told her mom about us, Mm -hmm. which very exciting. And then Sam confirmed for us that Virginians are a little bit crazy. So mm-hmm. thank you for I that. I married into a family of them. <laughs> I, I did tell him, I was like, for the record, Katie and I do both love Virginia. And oh, yeah. what, I mean, you bought a house there. So, you know, whatever. Well, we bought a property. We bought a property. Sorry. You bought a murder cabin. Bought a murder cabin. Take a sip. <laughs> and uh, the not so murdery cabin, actually, we've been talking with a contractor. Mm. And. Um, we're going to have that built within the next year. It's mm. exciting. Okay, I just tried the wine, which is my next point. I am drinking the Hanover Park Vineyard, the Pearl. I don't know if it's supposed to be a rosé or just rose wine. Yeah, because it doesn't have the accent on it. It doesn't. But it's pink. It's... It does have, is it a Cocker Spaniel or is that a Cavalier King Charles? Looks like a Cavalier King Charles I to me. so. But... Yeah, because they're... White. It's a delicious wine. I'm sorry, I should speak into the microphone. (laughs) From the Yadkin Valley. And it was sent to us by Kelly, our listener, slash also Patreon member. And she also sent us some more stuff. And that's the surprise. Is I already opened it, but um, (laughs) we are going to have a little... Goody time. Goody time. Okay, first, look at this tote bag. (gasps) From China. It's literally from China. It has an outside pocket, which is nice. I, I love... All my purses have outside pockets for phone and mm. keys. I think this one also has an inside pocket. And, yeah. Outside and inside pockets. They are required for tote bags. She also gave us another... There are two bottles of wine in nice. this package. Okay. So these are all goodies from China because Kelly has been living in China for a little bit. She's the one, if you don't remember, who has connections to the Lawson mm-hmm. family. Charles Lawson's like her great-great-uncle. Okay. Potpourri. Ooh, yum. Don't eat it. No. There are plenty of other edible things in here. But it smells really good. 
um, a fan. Hang this from Steven's tail. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you open the fan. These goodies remind me of when I lived in Singapore. This is the annoying segment I was talking about where we just describe things that we're looking at. Oh yeah, it's just a pretty paper fan. A cute little uh, teapot, which I thought could go on our shrine. Oh yes, absolutely. I that would be sweet. Yes, it goes perfect. We'll put it here by the crow. Not, it's not spooky, to be clear. It's just very sweet. You don't know. It could be a haunted teapot, <laughs> or it could be a teapot that is used by a witch that serves you tea that makes you hallucinate scary things. That could be the witch's brew. Yeah, witch's brew. Perfect. Um, okay, the rest are edible yes. goodies. I did already try these. I don't know what any of them are called. These I described as tiny pancakes with chocolate in the middle. Ooh, I like pancakes and chocolate. Um, I'm just going to hand things okay. to you so that I can show you all the varieties. I have no idea what this is, and I'm a little scared of it. It feels like a liquid with, I don't know, feel it and look at the picture and tell me what you think that is. And if you're willing to try it. Is it, it's like some sort of sea critter, like a squid or octopus legs or something. Yeah, that makes me nervous because it feels very gelatinous. Yeah, there's definitely something like chewy feeling in here. I don't know if I can try that one. <laughs> I might make you take some of these home. <laughs> um, okay, those, there's a green package too. It's like peanuts. Isn't this a great sound, everyone? Yeah. Are you rummaging through this tote bag? There were two of these. I don't know if either one is spicy. Everything's in Chinese. I'd imagine the red might be spicier. I would imagine so. I feel like it's a universal thing. Green being mild, red true. being spicy. Do you like spicy things? I love spicy things. Okay, great. You can have the spicy ones. <laughs> um, and well, then the I'll trade you my green, squishy, gelatinous squid thingy for your red one. I'm going to make Jarek try uh, whatever this is. <laughs> because it, it looks like worms on the package. I'm... Almost certain that Kelly didn't send us worms, but I don't know. Um, and that's it. Everything else is uh, Oh, these. <gasps> Ooh, I didn't even look at these. I don't even know if I put these in the picture that I took. <laughs> um, these look like little cinnamon. Crackers? They look sweet. They look like cinnamon bun. Oh, yeah. They look kind of like um, the, the the cinnamon toast, fr- cinnamon toast crunch cereal. Yeah. But with, like, honey bunnies. Yeah. Interesting. Anyways, do you want to try any of them? Let's try these guys. Okay. I didn't know. I like it. Of course, I thought I was like, oh, we can like do a trying thing on the air. And then I literally, as we were sitting here, I was like, I don't know if Katie's gonna like want to try strange things. I always want to try strange things, especially okay. Asian things. We'll divide things up. All right. Anyways, <clears throat> thank you, Kelly, for the beautiful package. It's a birthday present. It's a birthday <laughs> present for Katie. <laughs> Um, yeah, Jarek woke me up from my nap yesterday with a package, which she had told me she was going to send us something, mm-hmm. I, but I kind of forgot about it. <laughs> and then it showed up and I was like, oh, great. You ready? Let's do it. I have some trigger warnings. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, this is another, uh, more true crimey story and it's less about, I mean, it is about the crime, but it's. Kind of more about the person and and the awful person that they are. So trigger warnings, domestic abuse, and graphic violence. 
And I'm going to put this, at, I'm going to say it again at the end, but um, if you or someone you know is experiencing domestic abuse, there's a website called thehotline.org that you can go to. You can also call 1-800-799-SAFE, S-A-F-E. You can also text the word START to 88788. So take advantage if you need to. And today we're talking about Catherine Mary Knight. Have you heard of her? No. Okay. Actually, no. Okay. <laughs> Good. It, I mean, it sounds familiar, but... Uh, you, I feel like you will have heard the story by the end. Yeah. I feel like you'll recognize the end. This is a story from Australia. And I have a question for any Australian listeners because I noticed as I was doing this research, our friend Catherine, who I'm really tempted to call Katie, all the men in her life are either named David or John. <laughs> and there's four of them. And I want to know, does she just have a thing for Davids and Johns? Or is every man in Australia named either David or John? I mean, for a while in my life, every other guy that I dated was a twin. Mm. So maybe she just has a thing for David and John's. That's a shocking piece of information I didn't know about you. <laughs> <clears throat> also odd. Uh-huh. Okay. Twins are very prevalent in my life. Apparently. Also, weren't you supposed to be a twin? No. Your mom is supposed to be a twin. No, my no. grandmother is a twin, and so it was a chance that I could be a twin because okay. it skips a generation. Yeah. My parents kind of wanted twins, uh, but also after I was born and they lived with me for quite some time, they they now are like, wow, can't Never believe mind. we were stupid stupid <laughs> enough to think we wanted two of her. Uh, maybe your twin would have been the nice one, the easy one. Maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe I ate my twin. That was also thinking that maybe you absorbed your twin in the womb. Well, interestingly, Catherine was also a twin. <laughs> Which funny that I should bring that hand up. Does that strange. does that count as me jumping ahead by yes. bringing up twins? Absolutely. Right. Take, Take a drink. A sip. Okay. Catherine Mary Knight was born October twenty fourth, nineteen fifty five, in Tenterfield, New South Wales, Australia. So her the way she came about is her mother <laughs> the, the usual way I hope. Well, okay. Her mother was named Barbara. And Barbara was married to a man named Jack Rogan. And they had four sons together and they lived in Aberdeen, New South Wales. Well, Barbara was having an affair with one of Jack's co-workers whose name was Ken Knight. Hence, Catherine Knight. And eventually she left Jack and she moved to the town of Moree or Moray. So Barbara and Ken have four children together, including twin girls, one of whom was Catherine. I have no idea what her twin's name was, and I have no information about her other siblings. (laughs) It just always referred to her sister as her twin. So, in 1959, Jack Rogan died, and two of his children, or two of the sons that he had with Barbara, came to live with Barbara and Ken. The other two had gone to live with their aunt in Sydney when their parents split. Hmm. So... Now, Barbara and Ken have six children living with them. Ken turned out to be a 
fairly violent and abusive person. So she traded up, huh? Yeah. (laughs) So Barbara was subjected to sexual abuse from him up to 10 times a day. And she would vent to her daughters about this abuse. So that entailed telling them pretty detailed, um, I was going to say details, but pretty detailed aspects of their graphic stuff, intimate life. And she also complained a lot about how much she hated sex and men, which my suggestion was going to be like, do you just hate sex with men? Have you tried the other way? Anyways. So Catherine also claimed later in life that she was sexually assaulted by multiple members of her family, but not her dad, until she was 11. I don't know. At which point, open season on Catherine. <laughs> you know, I guess. Everyone, they said that, like, family members kind of confirmed that, but it's it's not relevant except to just point out more of her <laughs> childhood. So in school... Catherine was somehow all three of these things. Okay. Number one, she was a bully slash loner who was known to pick on smaller kids and physically intimidate them. But she... That definitely fits the bill for somebody who's being abused at home. But number two, she was also, quote, a model student who earned awards for her good behavior. So she bullied when the teachers weren't looking. (laughs) And then three... Somehow managed to make it to 15 without being able to read or write and dropped out of school. So she was a con woman. (laughs) I have no idea. Like, I read all of those things. I was like, every single one of those things is contradictory to each other. But whatever. She can't read, I guess. And she drops out at 15. Wow. So. I guess model student was. uh, Yeah. Maybe her math teacher said that. (laughs) Maybe. She, her art teacher. She may have been good at math. Her drama teacher, maybe. Yeah. I mean, who knows? So at 16, she gets her dream job. Katie, I want you to guess what her dream job is. An ice cream parlor. Um, well, you're not. Well, you are pretty far off. <laughs> it was cutting up entrails at a local slaughterhouse. Awesome. You know what every 16-year-old dreams of. I mean, that's what I dreamed of when I was 16. It's for what I sure. still dream of today. I mean, it's not too late for us. That's why I can't wait to break into those gummy squid pack things. <laughs> Where? I want you to open them, but then I'm also scared of them. So, Okay, so she gets her dream job, and then she very soon gets promoted to the boning department. Oh. Pretty fancy. Now we're talking. And with that job, she gets her own set of butcher knives. And she loved them. And she loved them so much that she hung them over her bed to keep them, quote, handy, should she ever need them. And apparently she continued this fun, quirky little habit in every home that she lived in. She would just be like, well, here's where the bed's going to go. And here's where we're going to hang the butcher knives. And there we go. Okay, at this point in her life, she meets a man named David Kellett. The first David, if you will. David the first. <laughs> so David didn't have a super great background. He had become an alcoholic, and this developed after two traumatic things happened. One was he saw his best friend get killed in a railroad accident, and then a short time later he saw a train hit a school bus and kill six children. 
so I'm like, okay, I'm understanding why you drink because maybe if I saw those things, I would too. But he eventually lost his job at the railroad because of his drinking. Apparently he was like falling asleep a lot and he found work at a local slaughterhouse. And that in 1973 is where he met Catherine. So David and Catherine began dating Although there was a side note that David would sometimes also date her twin, which I don't, I don't know, like on purpose or what, what for, <laughs> anyways, so th- there was relations. Catherine was still known as an adult to bully and physically intimidate people who made her mad. And so when David would get into physical altercations, she would kind of like jump in and help. <laughs> Cool. You know, the dream team. In 1974, which is just a year after they met, they got married. And they arrived to their ceremony on Catherine's motorcycle. David was drunk. And according to David, Barbara, Catherine's mother, who hates men, gave him a warning about Catherine. And this is a quote. And I'm not going to do an Australian accent. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) She said, quote, you better watch this one or she'll f***ing kill you. Stir her up the wrong way or do the wrong thing and you're fucked. Don't even think of playing up on her. She'll fucking kill you. I mean, my mom said the same thing to Jarek on our wedding day. So, like, it's probably normal, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, okay. All right. I'm just making sure. On their wedding night, Catherine tried to kill David. <laughs> she tried to strangle him. I don't know if she's trying to kill him, but she tried to strangle him. And her reason was... Because he fell asleep after only having sex with her three times. <laughs> so, like, not, not even, like, he didn't want to have sex. He was too drunk. How He was that, he was, like, plastered on their wedding day and still managed to have sex three times well, that night? I mean, if he was plastered, even the three times, like can't imagine it was very good or satisfying so like maybe that was what she was mad yeah, about it wasn't maybe not the number it was like it took you three times and i'm still not done huh. i mean wake up and do your job <laughs> we put this in the vows specifically they might have i mean who knows it sounds well, like there was a, <laughs> just like a real free-for-all kind of a wedding well predictably their marriage was Super healthy and fine, and nothing bad ever happened in it. Volatile, and how long until somebody applied for divorce? Well, let me tell you. It was extremely violent. Catherine was the abuser, for the most part. She definitely physically abused him. I said she probably also verbally abused him. I feel like they go hand in hand. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) and women 100% can be domestic abusers. More often than not, they are verbally and emotionally or, like, psychologically abusive. Yes. Whereas men are more likely physically and sexually abusive. But women can absolutely also be physically and sexually abusive as well. She was all of those things. Yes. That's what it sounds like. Yep. We're just breaking stereotypes with this episode, you know. So, one night when David came home late from a darts competition... Catherine, who was heavily pregnant at the time, was super pissed. Well, apparently they had sex at least enough to get her (laughs) pregnant. Yeah, you know. Uh, So she burned all of David's clothes and shoes. And then she hit him over the back of the head with a frying pan. Which, come on, Catherine. 
stereo stereo. We're good. trying to break stereotypes. <laughs> we're not trying to reinforce them with the frying pan over the head. Make your own sandwich. <laughs> so David runs to a neighbor's house and collapsed, and his neighbors presumably well, yeah, he just had a very bad head yes. injury. Yes. So uh, the neighbors, I think, called someone for him because he was treated for a severely fractured skull, which, holy... Well, I mean, we're not talking like your little aluminum thing. I'm thinking cast iron. We're talking cast iron. Yeah, that will definitely crush a skull. How hard is it to actually, like, like if (laughs) if we had a human skull here, how hard would you have to hit it to actually fracture it? I mean, if it was just the skull. Okay, what if we had a human head? <laughs> I mean, still not that much. It's not like there's that much padding of, like, skin and, right, right, and right. fat and stuff. I mean, it's going to take a significant amount of, like, force just mm-hmm. to swing a heavy cast iron, right. too. But, I mean, I'm sure you could definitely do some fractures with one good swing. Okay. If you hit a couple of times at, like, a consistent force. Yeah. I mean, you're shattering a skull. I mean, well, yeah, but I'm assuming he didn't just sit there and let her no. hit him several times. All right. I'm just I mean, also, I mean, when you're raged and, like, amped up, like, mm-hmm. your adrenaline, like, you could do a lot of crazy things. This is true. Catherine did end up talking David into dropping the charges, so everything was fine. And in 1976, their first child was born. It was a girl. Her name was Melissa Ann. And then in May of that same year, right after Melissa was born, David left. And he moved to Queensland. The day after he left, Catherine was seen walking down Main Street with Melissa in a stroller. Or a pram, mm-hmm. if you will. I will. Okay. I'm just letting everyone know that I know what the word pram means. She was, quote, violently throwing it from side to side. I can't quite picture what that means. If you're, like, walking, is she just, like, like... Yeah, is she steering it? Yeah, or is she, like... Or is she, like, tipping it side to side? Yeah, I don't know. That's why I put it in quotes, because I was like, I don't actually know what they mean by that. Anyway, someone called the authorities, and they come out, and they pick her up, and she gets admitted to St. Elmo's Hospital in Tamworth. There she's diagnosed with postpartum depression, and spends several weeks recovering from depression, I guess. I mean, there's a difference between regular depression and yeah, postpartum. Yeah, this is true. This is true. I'm taking a wild guess. I'm going to say that she probably didn't just have postpartum depression. Oh, no. Not maybe with some the other... childhood that she <laughs> maybe, had. No, Maybe not... some other things going on. Not with but... all that, but I mean. Well, so they let her go. They're like, okay, you're fine. You're good. Um, so she's probably, as long as they're like, all right, you're not likely going to kill your baby so you're good yourself i don't know but you're not your baby so well katie take a drink because when she gets out she takes two-month-old melissa to the railroad station and leaves her on the tracks all right take a second sip just because we all know what's coming and i don't have to say it um don't worry there's no baby death in this one so she leaves melissa there and then she steals an axe from somewhere and she goes into town and she starts threatening random people. But luckily, a guy named Old Ted was foraging near the tracks and found Melissa and saved her. So Old Ted is our hero. Actually um, did not return her to Catherine. Well. Shall we take another sip? <laughs> I don't actually know if it says specifically that she was, but I think she was. 
Okay, so old Ted rescues Melissa, like, minutes before a train comes. And Catherine's arrested again. She goes back to St. Elmo's. But somehow she convinces them that she's fine. And she signs herself out the next day. So they're like, hey, weren't you just here? <laughs> you did what with your baby? It's just like, it was a joke. It was a fluke. It was, you know, I... I just had a bad morning. actually left her with old Ted. I yeah. can't believe he walked away from her and said that he found her somewhere. She's back out. A few days after she is released... She approaches a woman. Remember her knives that she keeps on the wall? She's got one of those. And she threatens the woman, slashes her face, and then forces her to drive her to Queensland so she can find David. When they stop at a service station, the woman very smartly runs Runs away away. (laughs) and calls the police. And when the police get there, Catherine has taken a young boy hostage. This next part, I do not understand. Police disarm Catherine with brooms. Like, (laughs) (laughs) and said that they, like, attacked her with brooms to disarm her. And I don't know what the police situation in Australia is, but I'm very interested now. I think this is a lost in translation (laughs) situation. I, I mean, in Australian, it was... I don't know. It said brooms. So if anyone can um, explain that, please do. (laughs) Anyway, she's arrested again. And this time she's admitted to Morissette Psychiatric Hospital. While she's there, Catherine tells the nurses that she had been planning on killing the mechanic at the service station who had fixed David's car. Because that was the reason David could leave. And then she planned on finding David and killing him and his mother. I don't know what his mother ever did, but eh, that was her plan. Just throw the mother-in-law in there. Anyway, why not? <laughs> so police contact David and they're like, um, hey, we have your estranged wife here and um, just want to let you know she's making these threats. Like, she had planned on doing this. Like, we just want to, like, make you aware of what's going on. And David was like, oh, that's so sweet. Oh, my God. She really cares. And so he left his girlfriend that he was living with and moved back to Aberdeen with his mother so that they could take care of Catherine. He was like, oh my gosh, she really needs me. Come mother. Uh, who she also <laughs> wanted to kill for some reason. I know. His mother's like, um. And maybe it was one of those, like, maybe she was like a toxic mother-in-law who was just like always there in their relationship. So on August 9th of 1976, Catherine is released into the care of David and his mother. Okay, well, where is the baby at this point? I don't know, actually. I'm very concerned. (laughs) Well, I can tell you that in March of 1983, Catherine and David have a second baby. That's not what what I wanted to hear. Well, they maybe lost the first one. I mean, like... Lost to... like, we don't oh, know where she is. We set her down at some, some train tracks and, uh, old, you know, we asked Ted about it. Ted but came and we don't know. Or maybe she was taken and they were like. to Child Protective Services. Hopefully. Um, so they have a little girl. And at this point, Catherine has found another job at another butcher shop. Oh, well, she should be happy now. Yeah, yeah. Her dream job. Yeah. And... But then in 1984, so the year after their second daughter is born, Catherine leaves David. <laughs> She's like, eh, I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, this isn't Which, as much fun as it was the lucky first time. for David. I mean, like, yeah. buddy, if you're not going to stay gone. With his life. 
Um, she ended up hurting her back the following year, went on disability. I don't know why I put that in there because it's not relevant. Because now she's not in her dream job, so she's going to get sad again. Possibly. I like that you're finding the motives here. (laughs) Okay. 1986, Catherine meets... John? David. David number two. Saunders. I'm going to refer to him as Saunders so that we don't get confused. So, shortly after meeting, Saunders moves in with Catherine and her two daughters. Okay, so they're both with her. Great. But Saunders is smart, and he's like you know, I'm just going to keep paying the rent on my apartment also and just also live here with you and just also have the apartment and we just basically a safe house somewhere yeah. to go. Like, you know. Yeah, I'll get you the copy of that key. It just, I just keep forgetting. I'll, I'll get talk it to the you. landlord. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Promise. Mm-hmm. So, Catherine would often become very jealous and suspicious of what he was doing when she wasn't around. I mean, to be fair, I would also be a little bit suspicious <laughs> if the guy I was seeing had a second apartment. Yeah, me too. Fair. And, I mean, I would be suspicious, but also... Well... I mean, like, if I was Catherine. Right. I mean, I am Catherine. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, level. No. I mean, she probably doesn't even have, like, the self-awareness to be, like... Oh, it's because I'm freaking nuts right. that that's why he's keeping this. Yeah, she's probably, like... Just suspicious. Yes. Yeah, su- because... So, yeah, fair reason. Yeah. Because, I mean, if me, Catherine, <laughs> was dating if someone... Catherine in, number two. <laughs> if me, Catherine, was dating someone and they had another apartment, me being not a violent, abusive person... That we know of. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> They would be suspicious to me. Yes, this is... Okay, so fair point. So when this Catherine, Catherine number one, when she would get... Bad Catherine. (laughs) Evil Catherine. Well, just Catherine number one. Um, (laughs) When she would get jealous and mad and whatever, she would kick Saunders out. And so he'd be like, I'm just going to go to my apartment that I have. And then she'd be like, oh, crap. (laughs) What is he doing without me? He's at this other place. Who is he with? Who's there with him? What's he doing with who? Well, she would always go over afterwards and, like, beg him to come back. So they had this kind of back and forth. They had their routine. They did. (laughs) Routines are good. Yes. So May 1987, uh, Catherine does a very bad thing to a dingo puppy. Uh, And she did it. I'm not going to tell you what she did. Mm -hmm. She basically did it just to prove to Saunders that she was capable of doing this if he ever cheated on her. Oh, well, now I now have an idea of what she did to the yeah. poor dog. And then, just to drive the point home, she hit Saunders over the head with a frying pan. <laughs> so, which, stop giving this woman cast irons. Good grief. I mean, they are just the superior <laughs> cooking technology. Like, let's just put they that are. there. But I have successfully been hiding a cast iron from Jarek for two years now and he doesn't know where it is and i'm just saying why is because he can't be trusted to cook with it properly or he can't be trusted to not like put soap on it (laughs) oh no he's the cast iron like i hate cooking with cast iron because i hate trying to clean them afterwards i see but uh he's gonna hate me for telling this story but whatever he's editing um it was my grandmother's cast iron and he would cook with it all the time and he would leave it he would just never clean you know because you can't like 
just throw it in the dishwasher or let it soak or whatever. So he would just leave it on the stove with mm, all the stuff still in it. Got flavors. And I would always ask him to clean it and he never would. And I got really fed up one time and I was like, you know what? I'm going to clean it and then I'm going to hide it. You can't use it anymore because it's mine. <laughs> and then he just went out and bought his own. <laughs> so we have a cast iron that he cooks with all the time. Again, still. routines are good. And, uh, but I still have my grandmother's and I hit it back when we were in our old house and I hit it again when we moved and he's never found it. You need to drag that out and just make sure that it's not rusting. Give it some care. Give it a nice scrub. Reseason it and then put it back in its hidey hole. But it definitely probably needs to be (laughs) reseasoned. Maybe cook some eggs in it and then put it back. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. My point is someone should do this for Catherine. They should hide Wait for her to, well, I guess she's not working anymore, but wait for her to go somewhere and then hide her cast iron. Okay, so that was May of 87. June of 88, Catherine and Saunders get, oh, no, wait, they don't get married. Sorry, they have a baby. They have another baby. (laughs) Which is worse. (laughs) Somebody Um, hide the cast iron and hide her uterus. Give her a diaphragm or something. Um, so they have a little girl and... They're probably like, why are we fighting all the time? (laughs) I know. A baby will fix it. A baby will help. Um, and so they decide that they're going to buy a house. They're like, oh, we have, now we have three children. Only one of them is with Saunders, but they're like, okay, we'll buy a house. So they buy a house. Catherine decorates the house herself. She's a very interesting decor style. She decorates it with animal skins, skulls, horns... Rusty animal traps, leather jackets, old boots, machetes, rakes, and pitchforks. And she hangs these all over the walls and the ceilings. Okay, I know we say that I have a murder cabin, (laughs) but the other Catherine definitely has a murder cabin. It's like a demented Cracker Barrel with, like, all of the dusty, like, farm equipment on the walls. Mm -hmm. Also, imagine growing up in that house. Imagine if you were one of the three little girls living in this house and you're like well there's just a machete and like a buffalo head skull over here i mean you you know always have animal friends to talk to and easy access to weapons in case of a home invasion or you know you can play instead of rock paper scissors it's axe buffalo frying pan I was trying to think of equivalents for those. So, rock, probably skull, paper, I would say animal skin, mm-hmm. and then scissors, machete. Yep. So, I already forgot them. Skull, skin, machete. Skull, skin, machete. I mean, I feel like skull's a pretty you know what? weak one. I should be frying pan. Frying pan. Okay. Like, fr- frying pan beats skull. No, frying pan is, like, basically as rock, so it can beat and bend the machete, but you can't really, like, beat a pelt. That's true. Well, so what beats frying pan? And the machete, you can slash the the pelt. It should be water, because if you leave We are way off the rails here. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. So, let's see. Okay. So, they're still arguing uh, frequently. Um, one time during an argument between the two, Catherine hits Saunders in the face with an iron. So maybe he did hide the cast iron. So now she's found the iron. And then she's... Maybe he just pissed her off while she was doing laundry instead of cooking. (laughs) 
Then she stabbed him in the stomach with a pair of scissors. <sighs> and he's okay, though. So he... Not that okay. I mean, he's not that okay, but he's, like, he's not dead. So he leaves. <laughs> and he's like, uh, I'm gonna go back to this apartment that I have. And he returned at some point, like, I guess maybe to grab some stuff. And he found that Catherine had cut up all of his clothes. And so machete? After that, with the scissors that she pulled The bloody out scissors. Of, yeah, the bloody scissors. So after this, Saunders gets the smartest he's ever been. And he's like, I'm going to go into hiding. And so he does that. And Catherine tries to find him, but no one will. Everyone's like, nope, never heard of him. Never heard of that guy. Too bad he couldn't be just a little bit smarter and bring at least one of the girls yeah, with him. Yeah, bring at least one child with you. But everyone's like, mm, guy with the scissor scar in his stomach? Nope, haven't seen him. No. Don't know where he is. David? <laughs> I mean, I know several Davids. I know several Davids. <laughs> Not one with the iron imprint on his face and yeah. the scissors scar. He does come back a couple months later to visit his daughter, um, but when he does, he finds out that while he was gone, Catherine went to the police, told them, like, the reverse, basically, that, like, he was her abuser, gotcha. and got a restraining order taken out against him, which he was probably like, thank the Lord, there's legal protection, I can't ever go near her again. Yeah, but also now he can't go near his daughter. So he clearly true. missed enough and was worried about yes, enough yes, yes. to go and this is check true. on her. Let's see, what year? 1997. Okay, we're jumping ahead quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Catherine becomes pregnant again. This time by a former co-worker named John Chillingworth. And she gives birth to a boy in 1998 named Eric. And Chillingworth and Catherine stay together for about three years. But while they're together, Catherine is having an affair with another man whose name is also John. <laughs> I mean, she probably did it like that on purpose, though. So that way, it's it's easier to not get caught. This you is know? true. You can't slip up with the Johns. You don't accidentally call him Steve or something. <laughs> well, um, after three years, Catherine leaves Chillingworth to be with... John. Other John. Other John. So John Price. Okay. Let me tell you a little bit about John Price. He was born April 4th, 1955. His previous marriage had ended in 1988, and he had three children by that marriage. Two of them lived with him. And he was described by, like, everyone as just, like, super nice, like, all-around good guy. Everyone liked him. Why he ended up with this crazy lady, I don't know. Because he was secretly a monster, too. Uh, I'm going to say no. (laughs) (laughs) So, John is aware of Catherine's violent past, but he's still, like... Does she not have a violent present? I mean... Like, has has time I, mellowed her? No, it hasn't. Um, he said his kids really liked her, so they all move in together. He did acknowledge that they got into, quote, violent arguments, but he was like, everything's great. Like, at first, everything was wonderful. <laughs> so... Which, by the way, everyone, PSA, if you're getting into violent arguments with things that's a significant not wonderful. other, that's a red flag. Yeah. Like, thought... also, red flags, um, if you're with a guy, sorry, this only applies to people who are in relationships with men. Well, I, it's not. Sorry. That was sexist of me to say. Women can do this, too. If That's right. If Wait, get... hold on. Do what? Before I agree. <laughs> if when they get mad, if someone's coping mechanism is to punch a wall, hmm. like, if they're a drywall 
injuries or whole like that's also a red flag so just look out for those things because I didn't really think of that until I mean I was already with Jarek and he does not punch walls but someone said that or I read it somewhere and I was like oh yeah I guess that's a really unhealthy and violent way to you know whatever there are there are better ways to blow off steam yes there are play a loud video game like Jarek does <laughs> co-violently kill pixel people yes exactly Okay, so in 1998, John and Catherine were fighting, as was her thing, and they were fighting over the fact that John wouldn't marry her, (laughs) which is smart. I also feel like she's maybe still legally married to the first guy, David, the first David. Mm. I don't know. Catherine decides to retaliate. She's extremely petty, and she makes a videotape of items that John had allegedly stole from the mining company he worked for. These items were expired first aid kits, and he had gotten them from the company landfill. So they'd literally been thrown out, and he just, Mm -hmm. like, took them out of the trash. Catherine sends the tapes to his boss, and the boss, it said he was forced to fire John, but I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's not illegal or, like, against company policy to take stuff from the trash, right? Uh, I don't know. It depends on the company, but sometimes, yeah, you're not allowed to take things from the trash. That's why a lot of, like, retail stores will intentionally damage items before they throw them out. I I saw recently someone who worked at Ulta is like, hey, look, this is what happens when you return, Mm. you know, cosmetics. And then they took, like, a little knife or tool or something, and then they just destroyed completely the product because that way you know, employees and other people just can't go dumpster diving yeah. and not pay for things. Right, right, right. Um, Which so is... it could be that it's, you know, against a company policy for him to have dumpster dived yeah. for those things. And that, like, by saying he was forced to fire, it was probably like, yeah, because if I don't, then we get these other troubles yeah. and issues here. And, like, I'm sorry, like, you didn't do anything like what she's accusing you of we know you didn't do so we're not yeah. firing you for that but what you did do is technically against policy so sorry Ugh, that's stupid yeah well i was gonna say like i take boxes from work all the time that we're throwing out i mean also it's not like the mining company <laughs> is producing and selling these first aid kits yeah. See, like that would be one thing if it was a first aid kit manufacturing company that he then took these expired ones that had been thrown out and he had the intent to like resell them to other people that definitely would be a no-no i wonder too if it was like a um like a warranty thing or not a warranty thing um a liability thing where it's like oh if you use the stuff in this expired kit and it hurts you in some way because the aspirin was expired yeah you know, we don't want to be liable by you saying, well, I got it from yeah. here. Yeah. So. I mean, that that's a really good point. That's stupid. Um, so John gets fired. He had been with the company for 17 years. I mean, you're trying to marry this guy. Like, it's, it's biting the hand that feeds. Like, don't... I mean... Don't derail her, your gravy train. She has her disability check, remember? Also, if that was her plan, it backfired because John immediately breaks up with her and kicks her out of the house. But they get back together a few months later because she's irresistible, apparently. I feel like maybe she has, like, a magical vagina. She must. I don't know. 
and maybe that's why she got so mad at the first husband because she was like you are disrespecting the magic <laughs> here sir magic what are you doing you're just gonna roll over and go to sleep <laughs> i don't think so oh my gosh okay so they get back together but john's like you can't move back in because you know gotta take it slow so they start fighting some more just like more frequently and at this point john's friends are like hey your girlfriend sucks and we don't like her, and we're not going to hang out with you when you're with... Like, you can't sit with us <laughs> when you're with her. So, <clears throat> February 27th of 2000, Catherine and John have their worst fight to date. I don't know what it was over. But Catherine physically attacks John. With a frying pan. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> and she eventually stabs him in the chest... But, like, not a mortal wound. Yeah. Like, he's okay. Not fatally stabbed. Not fatal. So, John's like, you have to leave again. And on February 29th, fun fact, it was a leap year, on his way to work, John stops at some courthouse and takes a restraining order out against Catherine because smart. He tells his coworkers that day... Um, like is the he, court order only effective every four years? <laughs> Hopefully not. Um, he tells his coworkers that day, like, he's been kind of telling them about his problems. Like, I am trying to distance myself. I'm yes. trying to get out. And he says, if I don't come into work tomorrow, this bitch Catherine killed me. And they're like, okay, how about you don't go home tonight? And he's like, well, I have to. My kids are there and she knows where they are and she, I'm, she might hurt them. His coworkers are like literally don't go home please and he's like i have to that's one of the most frustrating things about domestic violence and Mm. abuse situations it's like the most obvious thing is like well don't go home yes but i mean if it were that easy ideally you wouldn't be in this situation in the first place and that's why it's it's so hard for people in those situations and people watching from the outside because i've unfortunately had to be one of those people watching from the outside like I I, I want to help you and like yeah. it, it just seems so easy and obvious like just just leave yeah and it's it's not it's and not, yeah it's it's so heartbreaking and so frustrating yeah it is because there's a hundred reasons I mean like you said there's a hundred reasons why someone has to go home you know why they can't just not go home or leave and it's different for everyone and it sucks so, John goes home that night, and Catherine is not there, but he finds that she had been there, and she had sent the kids to sleepovers that night. And so, he was like, okay, no one's here. He ends up spending the evening with some neighbors, probably because he doesn't want to be alone. Yeah, probably safe and smart. Yeah. <clears throat> and he goes to bed around 11 p.m. that night. Catherine comes home sometime after John has gone to bed. She watches TV for a little bit, and then she takes a shower, and then she wakes John up, and they have sex. And all is well, and everything's great. Magic vagina. Magic vagina solves everything. The following morning, his neighbors, who presumably kind of knew about the threats and stuff that were going on. If he was spending the evening with them and they're like neighbor neighbors, they probably knew that they probably had some loud knockdown drag out fights. Yes. I'm sure True. they I'm sure they knew. Well, they were familiar enough with John to know that he was a super early riser for work. I don't know what time he had to be, but if he works in the mine, I'm assuming mm-hmm. 
Probably pretty early. Very early. So at 6 a.m., when they see his car is still in the driveway, they get a little concerned. And his coworkers are also a little worried because he didn't show up to work. And they were like... Literally the day after he said, by the way, if I'm not here tomorrow, <laughs> there is a problem. Yeah, something bad happened. So a couple coworkers go to his house. God bless him. They're like, maybe he just overslept. Let's bang on his window and hope that he wakes up. And... I mean, that's the only way you can keep moving forward is if you tell yourself yeah. those lies of maybe he just overslept. Like, that's the only way you can convince yourself to keep going. Exactly. So they try to knock on the window and wake him up, and then they notice blood on the front door. And so they call the police. Police get there around 8 in the morning. They break into the house. They find inside Catherine is passed out from, I don't know if this was an attempted overdose or if she just took a bunch of pills to get fucked up, but she was, like, knocked out. They find John's headless skinned and partially dismembered body cool she had a busy night yeah so this is what the evidence showed sometime between 11 and 6 i guess i guess maybe they had time until 8 but short period of time when Catherine came home she had sex with john and then he fell asleep again and while he was asleep she stabbed him with a butcher's knife he wakes up tries to escape she chases him through the house. There's literally blood everywhere in the house. He manages to get outside at some point, and he either stumbles back inside or he's like so injured that he falls down. And Catherine, well, yeah, he's running around. His blood is pumping, and it's pouring out of this yes. wound. Like we don't know how bad this wound was, but yeah, I mean, I imagine if he's running around. He's, he's probably losing a lot of blood. Yes. Uh, he gets dragged back in the house. Catherine stabbed him a total of 37 times, both front and back. Cool, 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 cool. Several hours after he had died, Catherine skinned his body and hung the skin from a meat hook in the doorway of the living room. Which my question is, was the meat hook always there? Did you bring it? How do you hang a meat hook? I don't know, maybe it was just one of those decorations that she had with the other animal skins and weapons oh, that she just true. Good. decided instead of hanging on the wall, hang it up here where I can display his skin. You could put mistletoe on it at mm-hmm. Christmas. Okay, that's actually smart. I'm going to read you a really horrible quote. Awesome. This is from Supreme Court Justice O'Keefe, who presided over the trial eventually. He said it was, quote, carried out with considerable expertise and an obviously steady hand so that his skin, including that of the head, face, nose, ears, neck, torso, genital organs, and legs, was removed so as to form one pellet. So she literally took it all off in one piece. And then she... Oh, pelt, not pellet. Did I say pellet? Yeah, I was like, oh. a pellet. Sorry, but a pelt. pelt. Okay, I was like, <laughs> My bad. Uh... Whoops. It's like a pellet of what? <laughs> what? Just a pellet. No. Pelt. So then she decapitated John and cut pieces of flesh from his body. And she then cooked those. In the cast iron. In the cast iron. Like a steak. With baked potatoes, pumpkin, beetroot, zucchini, cabbage, yellow squash, and gravy. Which sounds like a fine meal to me. It's a lot of produce to just have on hand. 
I, I mean, for me, as someone who... I mean, I would love all of that, but the vegetarian version right. of it. Right, yes, yes, yes. There were two servings that were, like, placed on the table with notes to John's children. A third meal was found, like, thrown into the backyard. There's some speculation that perhaps this was a meal that Catherine made for herself and tried to eat but couldn't because it's... Because she... Gross. Yeah. There was a note that was left on top of a photograph of John. I'm going to read you what it says, and I'm just going to read it phonetically because there's a lot of misspellings in it. And I'm going to let you figure out what it means. I'm also just, like, to, like, fully skin this person. And Mm -hmm. I'm not saying, like, just, like, she didn't Mm -hmm. just, like, cut Mm -hmm. pieces off and hack it off. Like, she had to have taken her time. Like, she knew what she was doing, Mm -hmm. obviously. Like, her, you know, she'd worked for years in her dream job doing stuff like this. So, like, sure, she had, like, the years of experience and skill, so it probably didn't take that long. But then other dismembering, like, it, it takes time, my that's understanding, a, to a, cut off body yeah. parts. And then it definitely takes time to cook a meal. Like, baked potatoes, they take a while. Baked potatoes take for fucking <gasps> ever. She had to put those things in, like, before she killed him. And then probably still weren't done. I'm just saying. Yeah. So, I mean, when you look at... All the things that she accomplished. (laughs) She was efficient. She was very efficient. Because, I mean, he went to bed at 11. She came in. She watched TV first. So, I mean, what, like an hour of TV? So now we're at midnight. They have sex. Mm -hmm. Wait for him to fall asleep again. Wait for him to fall asleep again. So, like, you know, now you're looking like, what, 1 a.m.? Yeah, that's why I was so Before she even starts. And then... You only have, like, five hours at that point to do all of that. Yeah. I mean, before his coworkers show up. But, right. I mean, and, like, they didn't they didn't go into the house. Right. So she could have still been, like, she could have still been frying things up at the time mm-hmm. before the cops. is just they didn't hear any noises. Yeah. But mm-hmm. also then she had to take a whole bunch of yeah. drugs to the point where, I mean, because, I mean, that's going to take a little bit of time to yeah. knock you out. Yeah. That's... Yeah, she was... It just seems like a lot to do in a very short window of time. That's what I thought, too. I was like, it seems like a lot... When I I read that he went to bed at 11 and all of this happened sometime after that, but but it... mm, Okay. I I guess girl's got skills. I mean... uh, I mean... Used her, you know, time management skills or... Yeah. I will say I'm glad at least that he was dead before, like, everything else happened Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. definitely watched a movie one time where the ending was this woman um in retaliate this the person she did this to was a murderer who just killed her whole family but she strung him up and skinned him but he was alive for it and i don't recommend watching that because it was really (gasps) horrible to watch yeah okay so there's a note on top of a photograph this is what it says time got you back johathan for wrapping my doubter you to Beck for Ross for Little John. Now play with Little John's dick, John Price. So translation, <laughs> she's accusing him of raping her daughter? Yeah, and they said that, like, they looked into that and it there was not any evidence of that. Doesn't seem like he's the kind of guy. But also I'm now remembering that she didn't ever learn how to write, which is yeah. fairly clear, but... John's head was found in a pot of vegetables that was still warm when they found it, indicating... Making a broth. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Indicating it had been done, 
like in the early morning. Like it was still like a hundred and some degrees Dang. warm. And Catherine had then arranged John's body in the living room with his left arm draped over an empty soda bottle and his legs crossed, which I think investigators also took this as it was supposed to be like a degrading position or like an, it was supposed to indicate like her hatred of him by posing his body somehow. Okay. So Catherine is arrested and for like the third time in this story, by the way. She claimed that she didn't have any memory. She was like, I don't know what happened. I just woke up and, you know, there's all this crazy stuff. Her trial... It's from was... Chicago. He had it coming. He ran into my knife. Yeah. <laughs> he ran into my knife ten times. I just listened to a podcast about Chicago. Her trial was in 2001. She initially pled not guilty. And there was all this stuff with the jurors where they were like, this is super graphic. So if you want to be excused, you can be excused. <laughs> and a bunch of jurors were like, cool, I'm out. Peace. Not hearing this. <laughs> Inexplicably, uh, she changed her uh, plea to guilty. They don't know why she did that. She also still refused to accept responsibility. She, like, put in a guilty plea, but was like, but I didn't do it and it's not my fault. On November 8th, 2001, Catherine Knight was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. The judge ordered... That her papers be marked, quote, never to be released. And she was the first woman in Australian history for that to have happened to. Wow. As far as I know, she's still alive. She's still living out her sentence in jail. Don't know if she still has a magic vagina, but uh, that's Maybe. the story of Catherine Knight that had a really fast ending. Wow. Sorry, everyone. No, I'm glad that we didn't, like, really... <laughs> linger on the details of yeah there's enough going on in her like before this life the all the craziness that led to this yeah i mean it's shocking and it's not shocking that like she was able to keep getting away with it i know with domestic abuse situations where the man is being abused there's a lot of reluctance to come forward with well, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's why I made a point of mentioning that women 100% can be yeah. abusers as well. But yeah, there is there is a lot of times where the victims are often embarrassed or ashamed mm-hmm. to report it, and therefore they don't. Or there are the times where they do report it, but they are not believed. Right. And, and I think that happens way more often than... Yeah not being reported. And I also think there's a lot of, um, like, not necessarily recognizing something as abuse. Mm. Um, so, for example, like, you come home and, like, she burned all of your clothes. And you're like, well, she didn't hit me. And then she does hit you. And then you're like, well, she's mad. And, like, I'm not saying that. I mean, men and women, I think, both do that. Mm-hmm. Where you, like, internalize something. You're like, that wasn't abuse. That wasn't, you know. Well, it's a coping whatever. thing. Yeah. Especially if it's not a physical abuse. I mean, for people who suffer from uh, psychological abuse, mm-hmm. that's, I mean, the whole, like, the whole part of it, though, is, like, you, you receive all of this abuse, and especially if it's coming from someone you love or, you know, a parent or something like that, then it's like, well, they must know. I must, I must be a worthless piece of shit. I must be good for nothing. And so you internalize and you believe it and you don't recognize that it's abuse. Yeah. Or something that you should, like, 100% report to police. 
And then also, like, sometimes you report stuff to police and, like, nothing happens. So, yeah. And also it's like, well, he doesn't hit you, so. Yeah. Or, like, we he hasn't do. actually harmed you. Like, or... we can't, I'm sorry, you, we cannot file a restraining order because he said mean things to you or because she yeah. talks down to you. Yeah. <laughs> I've been listening to a lot of uh, Something Was Wrong. Like, the mm-hmm. first podcast I think you ever recommended to me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there's a lot of that in this most recent mm-hmm. season, so. Well, I'm going to plug it again now that we're at the end, but if you think that you are experiencing domestic abuse, if you think someone else is, please go look at thehotline.org, and there's a lot of resources on there. You can also call 1-800-799-SAFE, or you can text the word START to 88788. I forgot to mention back, because I was going to ask you about our uh, socials, I think those are the more important socials <laughs> yes, that we yes, cover yes. right now. Yeah, uh, I was going to point out, speaking of our socials and our link tree, Roy, our fun, kind patron, pointed mm-hmm. out to us that one of the links on our uh, link tree is, like, broken. <laughs> awesome. So, sorry if anyone has tried to click on that to go to our website. For some reason, that's not working. The website is still working because I checked that. Good. And um, you can just go to the Tales We Tell podcast.com that's right uh for some reason clicking on the link doesn't work but uh what are our socials well our instagram where you find our link tree is the tales we tell podcast uh same thing on facebook mm-hmm. yeah, as hannah mentioned our website is the tales we tell podcast.com yep. and anything and everything that we post on instagram all those pictures are also available to be seen on our website for those of you who don't do the social media. Yes. And if you need some sweet, sweet swag, you can go over to Redbubble and search the Tales We Tell podcast for yep. uh, just some fun merch, shirts, pillows, blankets, mm-hmm. hats, phone cases, stickers, uh, all that jazz. And if you want free stickers, well, I free air quotes <laughs> and our undying love appreciation affection and some other bonus goodies you can become a patron yay at patreon.com search the tales we tell podcast yep also i forgot to write this down but as a fun reminder you can also if you want some spooky slash crime related stickers or custom stickers yes you can go to etsy and you can look for the crafty criminologist She's also on Instagram at the Crafty Criminologist, and you can use our code, the Tales We Tell, uh, for fifteen percent off at her store. Woo-hoo. And we love her, and I'm gonna buy more earrings from her soon. I have a friend who just bought a bunch of stickers from her. She's super nice. She's got some really cute, spooky Halloween themed yes. stickers coming out, so I'm excited to see all the. All also, the stuff. friendly reminder because we had a Halloween store that opened in our town, mm. um, and I went in there obviously to look around. And uh, there's a lot of uh, Halloween themed like jewelry and stuff that's like out and about right now, but you can also buy it from a small business like uh. Gemma's. Um, I got the cutest like rainbow skull earrings that I'm obsessed with. I'm going to get the teal ones next. And um, yeah, so buy local if you can, or buy small if yep, you can. Shop small. And uh, yeah, we're almost in spooky season. I'm so ready for it. It's been feeling the slightest like fall. Like oh, we're in false fall and it's glorious. Oh, gosh, I know. And it's gonna be like, I mean, the heat wave is coming for like next weekend, but then we get real fall after that. And I am yes, so, 
so ready for it. False fall is the worst. No, I don't mind it because you get that little bit of a taste. You're like, it's coming. When you feel that the summer is never ending, you're just like, nope. I don't care if it's only a few days and we're back to the hot. <laughs> I know that there is there is light at the end of this oh hot gosh. tunnel. I hate it because I pull it. I'm like... I'm going to go to Goodwill and buy a whole bunch of flannels and sweaters and I'm going to break it. Like I'm about to break out my tub of like winter clothes and I'm ready. And then our utility bill was like $300 this month because our air conditioning is on all the time. As you live in an icebox. So hot outside. Um, okay. Anyways, thanks for listening and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.